the 2023 Sloan Sports Analytics Conference. My name is Nick Holmes. I am a first year LGO at MIT Sloan. It is my pleasure to introduce this panel, Sports and Technology, Bringing Performance to the Next Level. Our panelists today will be Tracy Kitt, CTO, Sony Sports Businesses, Michael Doria, CCO, Second Spectrum, Megan Schroeder, Senior Director, Performance Science, LA Dodgers, and the panel today will be moderated by Christina Chase, co-founder, managing director of the MIT Sports Lab. The panel will run for 45 minutes and we will hold the last 10 minutes for questions. Please submit your questions on Twitter using the hashtag sports technology. <coughs> questions will then be selected by the moderator. With that, we'll turn the time over to Christina. Brilliant, thank you so much, Nick. And thank you panelists for being a part of this today. Um, you're all on the forefront of using these new types of technologies to either help teams or actually be the user of that. So just to set a little context, would each of you speak to the type of data that uh, you're currently ingesting or uh, for those who are providing the technologies, the type of data that you're um, helping with to provide to teams? So Megan, I'm gonna start with you. Sure. Um, so I'm part of the performance science group and my team kind of is tasked with looking at a lot of our um, biomechanics data. So in MLB, we're very fortunate that we have access to a lot of this type of information, pitcher throwing, batter swinging. Uh, we even get it for all of the um, players on the field. So that's kind of what data my group focuses on exclusively. Um, but there's, as we all know, a ton of other data available in baseball um, that you know our contemporaries work with as well. Brilliant, brilliant. Mike, our material <coughs> scientist on the panel, <laughs> MIT alum, I found out, for those of you who are at MIT. Course three. Yeah. Course three, exactly. <laughs> um, so at Second Spectrum, we usually think of kind of three core sets of data or technology. Mm -hmm. um, we build optical tracking systems, so we put cameras in pro sports venues um, across different sports and, and sizes. And what we're trying to do is capture as much information about how players and the ball are moving in real time. Um, that's kind of our foundational data set, but really where we got our start was actually here at this conference in 2012 saying, hey, that data is pretty hard to work with. It's growing, it's becoming more granular, and so um, unless you have a big engineering team, it's hard to turn that into something of value. So we use artificial intelligence to try to translate that into the language of sport, um, and we work very closely with teams to try to make sure we're doing that in a way that's gonna help them in their workflows and, and answer the questions they have. Um, and then we do a parallel process with media organizations to do something similar and help them integrate this data directly into their broadcast. Brilliant, and Tracy. Thank you. Um, so in Sony Sports Businesses, we've got three companies in our group. So we have Hawkeye Innovations, who mainly focus similar to Mike on optical tracking uh, data collection. Uh, we also have video uh, data collection as well, uh, which we use for officiating use cases, we use for broadcast and performance uh, and data and analytics. Uh, in our other sister company, Pulse Live, uh, we create digital experiences and fan engagement experiences with, with data from, from teams and sports. Uh, and then in Beyond Sports, we use the tracking, optical tracking data, not just from Hawkeye, but from other tracking providers as well to visualize that in new and immersive sort of ways in a blocky style or um, sort of virtual recreation uh, in uh, humanoid type form or even in through metaverse and, and, um, and similar. Mm -hmm. 
So with all of these new technologies, that also means all these new data streams that are being ingested. How are you guys changing what you do and also the types of questions you're seeing being asked as well as asking yourself as all of the data comes in and I think we, the fundamental question we usually <laughs> try to ask ourselves is, you know, what's the use case? What, how can we help a team or a media organization? And so what is the data serving? You know, I think the technology to actually deliver that core tracking data is really complicated, but again, it's, it's really hard to work with. And so we spend a lot of time sitting down with teams and asking them what they want to do or partnering with media organizations. It's, it's really the, one of the primary reasons we're here today. So we can spend yeah. these couple days really you know, getting with teams and, and understanding what, what the future is to them and what questions they can't answer yet. And then try to go build that and, and, uh, and kind of lead with um, what they're trying to do. Yeah, starting with the question. Yeah, absolutely. You always need to understand why, for what purpose do you need to collect this data? What are you trying to solve? Is it officiating? Is it for medical? Is it for health and safety of the players? Is it performance related? Um, you know, not, not just now, but in the future. Like, where, where can we innovate together with you to get to that sort of North Star? What does that look like? Have and the what's questions the type changed of data we need that your customers? That? Yeah. So have the questions changed that your customers are coming to you with? I think as our technologies change, the questions are, uh, are changing. They're becoming more probing, like with um, the optical tracking data that we're collecting, you know, the biomechanics around it is so intense and it can tell you so much. We're capturing millions of data points uh, in every game and you can use it to determine many different outcomes, whether it, if it's player performance, you, you know, we track 29 joints in the body and it can tell you whether you're fatigued, whether you're rotating the wrong way, whether you're, you're injured, whether you're about to be injured. Um, so I think the teams and clubs and federations are learning more and more from that data as it, it's becoming smarter, because mm -hmm. machine learning is making it and training it, and it's becoming smarter as we evolve. Are you and we're capturing a lot 25? of historical data as well to train it against. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Are you 10 or 25 hertz? Pardon? How many frames a second? Uh, it depends on the sport and how many cameras we have around the stadium, but um, in baseball, for example, on the pitches and the batters, it's 300 frames per second. Do you catch that? 300 frames per second for every game for how many years, right? So what's interesting is the historical it's data. data <laughs> yeah. It's a lot. It is a lot. It is a lot. <laughs> right? So, but that historical data, which you're now having to use, are you finding that it's allowing for uh, new insights, new questions to be asked? Absolutely. Um, yeah, it's so nice to have historical data and um, the type of data that I work with kind of goes back starting around the 2015-ish. Um, and our coverage has only grown through the years. And now um, with Hawkeye at the MLB level going into this season, at every major league stadium, you're going to get that 300 frames per second pitcher and hitter um, biomechanics data. Um, and we get all we get that from every stadium, every game. Um, so it's not just our stadium. And that's only one of the data streams that you're ingesting. So I'm curious: is more data better data? Um, yeah, I mean, not. I could go either way. Not always. We have to obviously do a lot to vet the quality of that data. Um, and with any new information source, um, there's a lot of that vetting that goes into it and what, what can we use, um, how can we, you know, again, like these, these data sources are so large that 
it could be, you know, a number of people's PhD dissertations. Um, and we're trying to, you know, win games every day. Um, so how can we tease out the useful nuggets um, to kind of keep buy-in while we have time to do those long-term projects? Yeah, you no, know, that's it's a common theme that we hear when working with teams. Is you know we've got so much data coming in. What is even even meaningful? You know which metrics should I care most about? Um, and then of those metrics, how did we get there? Right, acceleration, deceleration. That's easy, but you know power or load or some of these other metrics. It's not obvious. But as uh, providers, how are you reframing, rethinking with? all of the resolution coming in. Uh, I, I think I would say, yeah. like, in, in my opinion, more data is better. Um, <laughs> because I think what you're ultimately trying to do is kind of narrow the gap between reality and what you can model with the data, right? And so every time you get more granularity or more data points or a finer look, you can answer more questions. Now, I think it's totally fair to say that does create challenges, because it's, it's harder and harder to process. Um, and, uh, and, and I think that, that's an interesting challenge, but it's one that, that we'd like to take on. And, and we want to get as close to that picture of reality as we can. What do you foresee new uh, data streams and high resolution being able to answer that you can't answer today? I mean, uh, Tracy was talking about some of this skeletal data. I think it's a great example. When we first, again, 10 years ago, the data was one point per player, 25 times a second. And you can answer a lot of questions with that. You can do a lot of things that you couldn't do before that. Um, probably most NBA teams we talked to would always ask us, well, well, how do I know if a player's closing out or not? And now you can say with a great deal of accuracy what the arm angle was on a closeout. And you know, every time you take a new, you, you kind of go up in a level of granularity, there's just a new class of questions that you can start to answer. Tracy, when you're engaging with customer base, um, where do you see the questions changing most rapidly? I think it's similar to what you're asking, like, there's a lot of data now that we can be collecting at multiple frames per second, and it's telling them an awful lot, but so what? Like, what can they do with that data? And so in our businesses, we have multiple use cases that we're trying to help our clients um, better understand whether this data can be valuable for that. So as mentioned, through officiating use cases, uh, not just current officiating, but new styles of officiating. So with football, you know, we've done the semi-automatic offside just recently at the World Cup, which you all would have seen, which is a new way of using the tracking data we have to solve an officiating use case, which is also controversial in the rule in itself. So um, <laughs> navigating those waters is always interesting. Um, but, you know, there's other use cases for that data as well. It's fan engagement is a massive one. Um, how do we immerse the fans not only in the stadium but outside the stadium through mobile phones, through websites, um, through various other... Uh, you know, big screen sort of experiences, we can present virtual recreations of that data to really help the fan feel that they are closer to what's going on in the sport. Um, and so for me, that data is essential to what we're, what we're doing. And it's the new way that people are engaging with sport. And the younger generation, I think, wants that immersion as well. They want to be closer to what's going on. Um, they are not attending in-person events as much as my generation, for example. So how do we use that data to get them engaged and what does that look like, whether that's through websites and apps or whether it's through using um, sort of uh, virtual recreation of live streams um, through you know, Twitter, YouTube, whatever it might be. I think that you know, it's a really interesting angle to use the tracking data we have, live stream it out for those audiences to engage with in different ways and maybe they'll become a fan of that sport when they haven't been before because we've 
put it in a, you know, a, a, a sort of um, blocky sort of form or a you know, gamified form. Do you have a prediction on which sport will adopt this kind of higher immersive experience? And what would that look like? I mean, I think it's going to come to all sports, um, you know, and you'll, you'll always have kind of uh, organizations that adopt it faster rather than slower. But, you know, one thing we always think about, and I think Tracy just hit on this with the data, is I think it allows each individual fan to get what they want. I think for a long time in sports, we've had a kind of one-to-many experience, and we've produced these games in a live environment that have, that have been great. Um, but the name Second Spectrum actually came from the next way of seeing sports. And what we always felt like is you see all these other content industries personalize what they can do for a fan or a consumer. And there's no reason that somebody can't watch a game in blocky while somebody else is watching that same live game in a traditional view, while I can't watch it with a data-intensive view, and that everybody can start to kind of have a different experience of the, of the live game. And I think that's what a lot of this data unlocks. It's interesting because it's being used both by the team for you know, some of the, the performance staff or game strategy, but then also the, the fan experience and being able to customize how one consumes the game. Um, Megan, I'm curious, as you've adopted new technologies, what are some of the best practices you'd recommend if an organization is, is going through the evaluation phase? Um, yeah, that's a great question. I think that the evaluation phase needs to be collaborative. You need to have a lot of different people involved in vetting whatever new technology it is, uh, and like technical people, field staff, you know, the whole gambit. Um, because when you have experiences where you're missing one component or the other, you're going to end up with kind of a trouble down the road, I guess. Mm -hmm. Have organizations that you've worked with had some good best practices and are there any potholes you'd recommend people stay away from when going through this process? I think you just it has to just be a collaborative process so you know we would work with um, the clients to understand you know how are they trying to use the data you know where, what are the gaps how do we fill those gaps um, you know what are they trying to solve with that data and how do we train our models to become smarter and more intelligent as we go forward? But, you know, there's always hurdles. We don't always get it right, but then you know we work to make sure it is right. And um, accuracy is, is super important with our data. And you know we need to make sure it is accurate, give our clients confidence that it is so. But that takes time, and that takes training models. It takes working with the specialists, the biomechanists in the field who are way more smart, way smarter than me in this space, um, to understand you know what do they need to see, what do they want to do with that data. Um, so it's a lot of testing, a lot of trialing. And, mm -hmm. and I think it's a really hard problem, especially for teams and leads. I think the data, it's very hard to do a good evaluation. And so I think one thing we have tried to do is say, well, let's look at those questions you're trying to answer, and then let's try to ha have something that's falsifiable. Like, let's say I said there was 35 of this type of pick and roll in this game, and let's then watch the video and see if it was right. And I think you can kind of use it a layer of abstraction to say, okay, I might not be able to assess the kind of to a millimeter if your underlying tracking data is accurate, but you know, for my use case, I can, I can watch and I can see if it's right or wrong. Yeah, it's a, a common theme, and I think one of the, the aspects that we've started recommending is also, you know, understand what it's been tested against. Have has a third party like evaluated in some format with a sample that is big enough to represent what you're actually going to get with installation. Yeah, our company Beyond Sports does validation of tracking data um, as well. To they have lots of <clears throat> lots of tools that they can use to give clients that comfort that it is accurate or where it isn't accurate that um, 
that they call it out and then they share those reports so that people can improve and see where where, we, where you need to you know, get better, get smarter, and train those models more. Uh -huh. Yeah, and I, I'll just add that transparency from vendors is super appreciated by us. Um, you know, a big red flag for us is if we ask, like, hey, have you done any type of validation? Can you share, like, a white paper? And we never hear from, we never get that. You know? <laughs> it it's makes like, it easy, well. though, because now I don't have to evaluate it. Yeah. <laughs> no, Evelyn, would you expand on that? Because I think sharing what's worked and um, any kind of challenges of, of having gone through the process, what didn't work. If an organization's going through this, some pro tips perhaps. Um, yeah, I think again, it gets back to the collaboration and having a number of different stakeholders who um, are helping to push the project mm -hmm. forward. Um, because if it's, you know, if it's my group that's wanting to do something, but we need to work with players and staff in order to collect that data, if they're not on board, it becomes really difficult um, for us to kind of get in there and, and really get the value that we're hoping to get or yeah. see the value. I thought one of the most innovative things you guys did was um, actually work directly with the coaches on field with the technologies and say, okay, hey, pitching coach, you know, I'm not gonna expect you to learn this right now. What I want you to do, you coach, and you turn to me and let me know, what do you want to know right now? And I'll see if I can do that with this thing. And we'll kind of go through that process. And it was a really interesting way to not just say like, okay, yes, we're gonna get an insight, but both do it within the window of training, but also not expect the, the educational aspect for technology that may or may not kind of answer the, the specific question needed. Yeah, and I will just add to that, um, you know, we actually do spend a lot of time trying to work with our staff and educate them, you know, obviously not to the like extreme technical intricacies of things, but we do spend a lot of time, you know, going through presentations and making everybody aware of the resources that are available and how you know, we want to work with them to help answer questions that they might have, which might spark ideas for us and how to look at the data mm -hmm. a little bit differently. I love it. I love it. So are there any non-obvious trends you're seeing with these new data streams? Well, I think there, I mean, it, for me, there's a few that I would be really keen to see as a, a fan myself, really. Um, yeah, I think the, the power of having live data in the stadium while you're watching a game would be really useful if you could have an, you know, an AR sort of overlay. Use your mobile phone, put it up to the, the game as it's playing and have some AR overlays of how fast the runner is running or how, um, how fast you're pitching or you know, how high you're jumping, whatever it is. If you could see that you know, in, a, in an AR sense with some sort of data stream coming straight from our tracking data into your phone, I think that would be a really novel way of experiencing the game, and then you could social media, like what you're seeing, talk to your friends, um, whether they're in the stadium or at home as well. I think that's a really interesting way of using, using that data. I'd like that, right now, please. Yeah, okay. <laughs> That'd be great. Great. <laughs> How about you? I think thinking about creative ways, I think a, a lot of this data exists in certain leagues, in certain instances, but then, um, but then doesn't, is, isn't universal. And so I think about um, how can you create other data sets that can help you glean some of these same insights from, from these leagues that don't yet have uh, some of the foundational technology, 
or and then you you have to try to you know see make make sure that's comparable to what you're looking at. And I think there's a lot of work to be done there. And I think there's a lot of value to be had there um, uh, for whoever can solve that problem. It's a common theme worldwide. Uh, we very much see that, and also the challenge of uh, are we kind of uh, adding to the digital divide because the the technologies are fairly expensive, so. Yeah, but the younger generation is engaging in sports in new and different ways, and we have to make that technology accessible to that generation. Yeah. Um, and it should be. Why not? Like, we want them to be fans. We want them to grow up and be become avid fans as they get older as well, and it's generational in different sports and very traditional. And so I think finding ways to connect with that group in different ways, whether it's through virtual recreation or gamification of, of, of that data, I mean, that should be accessible for the teams. They should be wanting to do, to do that and engage those fans in that way. We spend a lot of time thinking about how can we take our kind of top tier tracking systems that have traditionally been very expensive and scale them to basically anywhere. Um, our, our staff plays a pickup basketball game on Wednesday nights and we use some smartphones to track that so that we can get our own stats and it's, it's not yet ready to go uh, mainstream but I think we're, we're investing a lot of effort to build systems that you can easily roll out everywhere and can get um, a version of the same technology that the, the kind of the top of the top elite leagues have. Um, and, uh, and do some of that same stuff. Oh, that's really exciting. Um, yeah, and just to add to the scalability point, I mean, that's something we see within baseball itself. I mean, we have academies in the Dominican Republic, we have international scouts that are in Venezuela or Mexico, wherever, and you know, we don't have the infrastructure of a stadium outfitted with all these cameras to collect the data that we'd love to have on these young amateur players. Um, but there are opportunities to use you know, a smartphone or an iPad to, to kind of collect high-speed video and see what we can get from that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, it's available. It's just, it doesn't, you won't have the 300 frames per second, but you can still you know, support the use cases that you're looking for mm -hmm. in, in those sort of training environments. Sure. Well, and the level of resolution probably doesn't even need to be there. Well, I think your use case it's is different, like, isn't it? It's Could very much so, exactly probably about training or just assessing that individual's play performance or mm. if it's in the minor leagues in baseball, um, it's a different experience. And so I think it's, it, we also are creating that technology to be more accessible and be able to put into the, the different leagues as well. You know, as we're talking about the future, I can only imagine that new jobs are gonna come online that organizations are gonna need that don't exist today. I'm interested in your viewpoints as to what those are gonna be, and what skill sets are gonna be necessary to succeed in them. Yeah, I think it's, like, it's amazing, again, even over the last 10 years, seeing how team staffs have changed and, and how many more kind of roles of, of people who are fluent in this technology um, exist. And I mean, we think for Second Spectrum, I always think the, the superpower for someone looking for a job in this space is someone who can really understand the sports, but has a killer technical background. And so arguably the most important thing I do at Second Spectrum is come back to MIT once a year and talk to the men's basketball team and talk to the women's basketball team, talk to all the soccer teams and try to recruit people who know sport pretty well but are you know, the elite of the elite engineers because we find that they have unanimously been you know, the, the, the kind of best fits for our staff and our culture and the ones who have really helped us move the needle forward. I, I have to say, you guys have done an excellent job. Many <laughs> of my students work for you. <laughs> Former students. Um, Megan, what do you see from the team side? Yeah, I guess I just want to take a step back. This Being on this panel is a little bit 
kind of a full circle moment for me because I, I came to Sloan in 2015 after I had um, finished up grad school and was kind of looking to get into the sports industry and that's how um, the Dodgers found me through the resume book here. Um, and at that time, I don't think there were many, if any, other um, you know, biomedical engineers working for baseball teams. Um, and so that whole, the whole field performance science didn't exist. Um, I was hired as an R&D analyst because I had a little bit of that technical background. I could code, you know. Um, I was interested in data science. And it's evolved so much just since I've started. Um, and teams are, are, you know, many Major League Baseball teams have um, biomechanists and people like me now, which is, is really encouraging to see. And I think that trajectory is going to continue, as I said, with, you know, the scaling of, of this type of data. I love that. So you are in the audience, yeah. right? <laughs> um, for this audience, what are those roles that you see coming to fruition or teams expanding on? Yeah, I mean, it's a great question. I wish I had that crystal ball and I could <laughs> hire some. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I think, again, getting back to like the foundational coding um, modeling experience, I think that can just go in so many different directions. <laughs> Um, and just kind of excited to see where it goes. I think too, like we've talked a lot about, you know, having a question or a use case that you want to solve. I think the people that can understand both worlds enough to come up with the right questions are going to be really valuable. Again, like when we started this, we had to show some use cases to let people know what was possible. And then the really smart team started us asking really good, asking us really good questions. And so as we go from, you know, single data points to full skeletons to thousands of data points per player. Uh, I think it's really interesting to think about um, what are those new questions that are going to, you know, make a difference to a team or a, or a media organization or a league. And I think you need some fluency with both, both the kind of technical side and the sports side to be able to do that. Almost like a translational job of sorts. Yeah, definitely. For me, I, I see data science becoming more amplified by mechanics, absolutely, in baseball. Um, is becoming more mainstream um, and probably wasn't, you know, 20 years ago, for example, we didn't have those data sets available to, to really do that. Um, computer vision, engineering, uh, machine learning, AI, all of those are essential now as we go forward to, you know, unlocking that power of data and, you know, where, where can we use that data, as you say, like what are those use cases and having people who can do that triangulation and that, that comes with that sport experience. And so what I find at Sony Sports is, you know, really smart people are able to problem solve and think, you know, out of the box, um, you know, not just go at something uh, in a purely engineering sense, but think about, well, what, what is that sport looking for, not just now, but in the future? How do we help solve their problem through technology? You know, what does that look like? Uh -huh. um, and, and bring them on the journey then as well. So it, it is an interesting quality to be able to triangulate, you know, what the sport wants and what uh, engineering can bring to, to that space. Another area we're constantly seeing uh, a need for is uh, being able to actually translate through visualizations the, the most compelling insights because, you know, a, even just a plot many times is not, <laughs> is not conveying the, the true insight. So having that capacity to be able to actually come up with a compelling visualization because no matter how good the insight is, if you can't communicate it, 
it's not going to go anywhere. Totally agree. And, and I, I still think that video is like the core medium of sport. And so I think from our perspective, the more you can integrate some of this data and new experiences into video directly, mm -hmm. it just has more resonance. It's, it's what people are used to working with and it, it kind of feels like the closest thing to ground truth we have in, in the sports world. I completely agree. <clears throat> um, so what about the opposite? Are there things that are being debunked due to having these new data streams? That's a good question. <laughs> um, I'm not sure about being debunked, but I think um, from an officiating point of view, we are making it faster and more accurate for umpires, referees to make decisions. Mm -hmm. And so we are taking away some of the ambiguity over those decision making um, and making it fairer than for all, including for the fans who will have very strong opinions through video of what, you know, what, what they're watching, either you know, on, on screen at home or in the stadium. And so I feel that the data is helping the refereeing, you know, officiating federation um, you know, make fairer, uh, more accurate decisions. Mm -hmm. I take a similar tact. I think the biggest thing, I, the biggest thing I've seen is that you know, for a long time in, in sports tech and, and working with, with, this, with this content, we, it felt like there was walls you couldn't push through or there was just gonna be limits of where you could get to. And I think the technology just continues to evolve at such a rapid pace. Everything from the, you know, the hardware, the cameras in the stadium, to what we can do and the computing power, it just feels like we continue to knock down new barriers of questions we thought we couldn't answer before. And so I think it's an exciting time for that reason. Very much so. Didn't know, Megan, if you had any <laughs> thoughts on that? Um, not too much to add. I think, you know, we've, I've seen a number of, of things fail over the years, and I think, you know, looking at it through, like, a research lens, like, that's okay. Um, things fail all the time in research. That's part of how we kind of, you know, move things forward and figure out what works. And so being okay to like, you know, move on from one technology when, you know, there's something new comes out or a new way to look at it, um, it kind of lets us be flexible in that regard. Actually, I, I think that's a really important point because the whole point of experimentation is to figure out whether or not you should keep doing it or not, or you should use this tool or not. Um, failing is part of that. If you already knew the answer, you wouldn't need it. <laughs> so um, having that built into the organization and the, the expectations set as such. Um, I'm curious, there's a lot of talk in the media about analytics being good, analytics being bad for influencing sport. What are your thoughts on this debate that is seemingly ongoing? I mean, probably most of us on this stage are a little biased here, but <laughs> I, I'm going to say it's good. I'm going to like take a strong stance on that one. I kind of hope we are moving past some of those questions. You know, I think like analytics kind of got a bad rap when it first came into sports because I think there was a bunch of people that were trying to make one stat that could measure the value of an individual player. But I think, you know, what I was saying before is my hope is that data just helps you see things you couldn't see before. You know, we... We, we often try to go to teams and say, what are the things your coach has always talked about but hasn't been able to measure or evaluate, and let's just go try to do that. And, um, and, and so I think as long as 
uh, I think analytics is, is, is wholly good as long as you're using it in the right way uh -huh. and being thoughtful about it and kind of thoughtful about the context. <laughs> I think I'm also biased, totally. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I think data is, is good. I mean, it, particularly in a player sort of welfare perspective, it really can help coaches and the individual better understand the use of their body and, you know, what a movement is, you know, going to jeopardize that. And uh, there's different sensors you could wear as well around your heart rate and monitoring your health in that way. So I think in that respect, analytics for me is essential for that individual to understand how they can improve, um, you know, how do they, how they play their best game and what that looks like. Mm -hmm. I noticed that we find ourselves often saying, you know, it's a tool, much like what you were talking about, you know, it, for the right use case, knowing, starting there, but then also um, it's a tool, it's not an answer. It should augment and help, but if it is detracting, then maybe another evaluation would be good. But it's hopefully just getting you closer to the truth, right? And so unless you don't like the truth, which maybe some people <laughs> want to shy away from, it's hopefully just giving you a clearer picture of what's truly going on and helping you understand more. Um, excuse me. One, one challenge that we've kind of, I feel like we've gotten through is, is we have skepticism from players that this information or data that we're trying to capture is going to be used against them. Um, and we have made a point to say, you know, this data is for you, this is to help you get better, and what we capture, like, we will share with you. And I don't know that all, all teams operate the same way. I mean, we've heard from, you know, people who have been in other organizations that they, like, collect a bunch of data and don't necessarily share it. Um, and so I think philosophically having the approach that, you know, our information is, is for the player, it's for them to, to benefit, um, has really helped us in that regard. And that takes some trust building. Absolutely. How have you guys gone about that? Yeah, I mean, it took, I'm here eight years since I started. <laughs> it's taken a lot of time um, and working with a lot of staff who already have close relationships with players to kind of be in that position to say, okay, like, hey, can you, you know, wear this sensor or do this thing while you're taking swings in the cage today? I love it. Well, we have a lot of smart minds in the room. If you were to try and direct uh, what they solve in the coming months and years, what would you ask them to solve? I'll go back to what I mentioned before. Um, I really want tracking data and some of this core technology to be more foundational across sport. Uh, I want to see it in more places, and so I would ask them to join Second Spectrum and help us uh, <laughs> build the, the low-cost, affordable systems that can be very easily deployed everywhere um, and still still produce that kind of super high-level output. And, um, you know, I think if we could do that, if we could kind of scale this technology across leagues, across competitions, across amateur, professional, and just kind of make it more democratized and more widespread, I think it would open up just a wealth of new opportunity to uh, what you could do, how you could evaluate things, and, and kind of how you could change the sporting experience for a ton of people. I love it. Well, and, and Tracy, you've got multiple businesses that you're overseeing, so does it's both, feel free to have different uh, questions for uh, each of the businesses, but ultimately, let's, let's direct some of this mindshare towards what you're trying to solve. I think similar to what you just said, um, you know, I would want to understand how do we make our data universal uh, across all sports, make it accessible, 
to the different leagues and different levels? What does that look like? How do we uh, upscale, downscale the systems in order to do so? What sort of data points do you need to be successful as an individual, as a player, as a, <coughs> as a team, as a coach, um, as a fan? What does that look like? Um, and so in uh, Pulse Live, for example, that's about fan engagement experiences. So how do we use the data that we're collecting firsthand through tracking data or through video? How do we present that in a way that engages fans in new and, and unique ways? And whether that's through uh, polls or uh, NFTs or um, some, some new sort of novel way of engaging with that, with that specific team that they're following um, or the wider league. I think that would be really interesting. Um, so understanding new ways to use that data in different ways and what does that look like, not just now but in the future. How do you want to engage with that data? What do you want it to tell you? And is that before the game, during the game, after the game, or all of that? And how do you connect all of those together to create a really unique end-to-end -end experience and value chain across across a sport or across a league? I love it. So if anyone can come and uh, yeah, I was going to say it's a, it's that's and, just a small uh, problem. <laughs> this is a small question. <laughs> Um, yeah, not a lot to add. I mean, the scalability and accessibility, again, goes back to, to the point I made earlier about, you know, we're trying to, to scout, like, 12- and 13-year-old kids in South America, and, you know, not a lot of infrastructure there. Mm -hmm. So, so um, one of my favorite questions before we go into QA is um, magic wand. If you could do anything, know anything, have anything, no constraints. <laughs> what would that look like to you? Only one magic wand, though. One wish. My goodness. That's a challenge. Um, I, I'm, for, personally, I'm really passionate about health and safety and well-being for players. And so, you know, we have a lot of challenge with concussion in various sports. And, you know, I'd really love to see our data be used to help give that information to teams and individuals around how we can you know, improve or reduce the levels of, of concussion or injury in sport. So that's what I would wish for. I'm going to sound like a broken record. I'm going to go back to what I just said before. But I, uh, I would want... At least want, you're consistent. I would want this, to be, this technology to be everywhere so that if I go play in an old man's pickup game or if my kid goes and plays in a youth game, they are getting... Um, a version of the same technology that's deployed in the NBA and the Premier League and, and all these kind of ultimate top tier leagues. Love it. Um, yeah, I think for me, um, injury, yeah, I, I think I'd echo the point about injuries. Um, injury prediction, which I think is impossible, maybe? I don't know if that's controversial, but it's very difficult. <laughs> um, and I don't think we're there yet. And that would be really fascinating um, to be able to kind of know when an injury is going to happen, prevent it from happening. Um, yeah, I mean, if we had known that Gavin Lux, our, our shortstop, was going to tear his ACL in the third, third um, spring training game this year, maybe, you know, he wouldn't have played that day or something. I don't know. Um, again, it leads to a lot of other questions of, of what you do with that information, but that would be Certainly nice to. Sounds like a good challenge for us to work together on. I was going to say, I <laughs> feel like many analysis. teams would be very interested in yeah. solving that same question. <laughs> so um, I've got some great questions from the audience. So the, the first one is, uh, what is the most creative or unique application you've seen used with the tracking data? Um, I, I really like the, the live 
sort of virtual recreation of the data. So you can watch a game in person or in video and then watch it in a second screen in a gamified way. I think that's really fascinating. I like being able to have all the content I want about a live game on, on one screen in one place. So I think like often me, I think many find themselves, you know, having a game on their screen and something else up, maybe it's Twitter up on your phone and some, some other data on your iPad. And I think the ability to integrate that into the live experience at the right time, at the right place automatically for you as, a, as an individual is, is really powerful. And so I think that's... I think that is starting to change the sporting experience pretty dramatically. I love it. Well, kind of on that same line, um, are there certain sports that are farther along with the adoption of technologies and which sports need to catch up? I think it's challenging because some sports um, have the, the means, financial means, to really engage with certain levels of technology and like push the boundary and innovation with us. And so, I think some of the sports who don't generate as much revenue really struggle. So that's where, as you say, Mike, if we can make it more accessible, our technology cheaper, and um, you know, we can find new ways for our cameras to deliver us the same information with less, um, I think that's, that's a way that we can then make it ubiquitous for all of those sports to get that same experience. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I think sometimes this financial is a, is a barrier in, in that respect. Or, and also people to take that data and analyze it. So we find that we, you know, we provide some analytics tools to, to clubs who don't have that capability in-house to do the analysis on the data. And it's a lot of data to be understanding and training. So I think helping them with different products that, that, uh, that you can help them infer what that data is selling them also helps. I just think it's really hard across sports too, because every sport is so different. You know, you could take, motorsport where you're getting all this data coming off a car in real time or you could even go to the stream esports which is basically you have a perfect data set for what's for what's going on in a video game and it's just a different challenge than working in the NFL or working in soccer or working in something that's just much more dynamic so I think every sport kind of has to just figure out what the right technical solutions are for their particular context okay so kind of uh, incorporating the human into the technology discussion it's a question around um, human capabilities are limitless. Where do you draw the line of what, quote, peak performance should be? That's a good one. It's an interesting question. I guess it's probably one for like these sport bodies to, to start to think about, right? We have rules around, you know, performance enhancement and, and, um, and, uh, and, and a lot of other things in this, this realm. And so, you know, maybe it's just something that has to continue to be thought about um, in the context of, of, you know, data and performance as well. I think it goes to what you were saying before. It's, it's how are the people using that data for that individual? Do they have their best interests at heart? Um, you know, we're providing information that can help them with their performance and, and their enhancement. And ultimately, I just want them to, you know, be the best player that they can be. And hopefully our data can help them understand what that looks like um, and, what, you know, making sure it's shared amongst the teams and people are educated in terms of what the data is actually telling them. Well, and I, I think of your magic wand question, which is that ability to better understand when should an intervention be done to potentially be able to enhance performance and have them more available during the season rather than recovering from an ACL. Mm -hmm. um, if this panel was a year into the future, <laughs> what will you be talking about? 
we'll probably be sitting here with a VR headset on and you, you probably won't be in the auditorium <laughs> somewhere else. Right? Uh, I think we'd go back to one of your earlier questions about, you know, is data too, is, when is too much data too much or, or something along those lines, as I think we'll start to see size of data sets just continue to grow, right? And if you can kind of think about a world where you can literally have a full representation of a human body moving through space with thousands of data points many, many times a second, and then how do we handle that and, and what do we do with it? Very much so. We're already starting to see that. I think video's really amplifying it as well. I think things will become more automated as well in um, officiating space, for example. So we have a lot of manual or semi sort of um, interventions with the technology, and I think that will become more automated as we go forward. But that, that needs the buy-in from the, the umpires and the referees and the fans. They need to be able to trust that decisioning as it, as it goes forward. And I'll go one more that I hope. This is kind of back to my magic wand. If we, do, if we are able to democratize this technology more, you know, I think... I spoke about esports a little while ago. I think one of the things that's great about that is anybody can play the game, and you know whether you're me, who's terrible at video games, or the like top-ranked player in the world, and you can have a consistent ranking of how you perform from top to bottom. And I think one of the things we can do if we roll this technology out much more broadly is start to do that for you know some of the traditional sports as well, and mm. say you know again you can rank yourself as a basketball player from rec league all the way to the NBA. Mm -hmm will then also be able to see who's doing it best and how far off am I? And what are some of the new nuances to the biomechanics I might be able to change or train? What about you, Megan? Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, you know, baseball is kind of unique in that when we're looking at biomechanics, like we know where to point the cameras to get the pitcher. We know where to point the cameras to get the batter. Um, you can't really say the same for basketball or football, like it's just, you know, there's bodies everywhere. <laughs> it pre presents a lot of challenges for, for you all to accurately track those and like, where's this guy's arm versus like, you know, the guy next to him. Um, so I think, you know, baseball has, is, is still growing in this space, so I can just imagine that you know these other sports are going to come along and, and continue to grow. It definitely presents challenges with optical tracking. There's a lot of occlusion events where they're all smashing together, um, and yeah, the, the skeletons all sort of merge into one big blob. Um, but that, that you know that that is solvable, and it comes through you know constantly annotating and training the models to understand and identify those events. And so, you know, if a goalie in football, soccer sorry, is flying through the air, for example. Like that's just, you know, that is normal in that sport, um, but in other sports it might not be. So um, it's just really assessing that data, understanding, you know, wh where does it need to be trained better and, and how do we you know, improve that technology. But it's also, you know, we might need to augment it with something else like sensors um, in, in those types of events when they are sort of colliding in such ways. I also think as camera technology gets better and better and the costs of cameras go down and down and down, you might just be able to see much bigger footprints of cameras in a stadium. And you know, we, we often joke internally, like if you can't see it, you can't track it. And so you might just need more views of the action if you really want that next level. And I think the, the kind of pace of technical innovation and the cost curves is starting to make that a really feasible thing, even for, you know, the, um, even for leagues that aren't, that, that might have uh, struggles with, with financials and budgets. Especially really with the portable cameras now, right? They're becoming, they're much smaller, you can transport them easier and, and they are performing just as good as some of the mm -hmm. more static type cameras that we have. And we also use uh, broadcast cameras to uh, augment you know, what our tracking cameras are capturing too. So 
more cameras is good, but yeah, it can become expensive. So can we do that in a cheaper way is definitely one we're looking at. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, and we're also seeing a lot of advances with some of the off-the-shelf computer vision tools mm -hmm. that are making that analysis a lot easier. Yeah. Um, so we're just about at time. So to, to close it out, um, what are the biggest barriers to, in making some of these advances we've talked about today? And where do you see opportunity for the research to be able to influence some advances? I think the barriers are just the questions that are unanswered at the moment and how do we work together with the various sports that we work with to understand you know, what does that look like in the future? How do we overcome that together? Does it need new cameras being invented by Sony? Um, or does it, you know, does it just need extra brain power around it? What does that look like? How can we work together on solving that problem? Mm -hmm. um, you know, and maybe it's a collaboration. You know, it doesn't have to just be Sony's businesses by itself. Like, can we work with other partners to you know, find out how to solve that problem together? Yeah, I think sports is complicated, and you know we're trying to solve a, uh, serve a lot of different stakeholders with this stuff, right? And so as you have new data come out, or more data, or more technology come out, you have to be cognizant of the players, and the teams, and the leagues, and the media partners, and the governing bodies, and all the rights that exist. So it's, it can just sometimes be a, a, a kind of complicated system to navigate. And, um, and so I think it requires bringing like real solutions to all those groups um, to make sure that everybody's getting something. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Megan, are you seeing any barriers for uh, what you're trying to answer today? Or you're like, I've, we've got enough, <laughs> now we just need more horsepower. Yeah, I think that's, that's exactly right. I think we have an endless, endless list of ideas and projects to work on. Uh, it's just, yeah, finding enough time. <laughs> <laughs> finding the time. Well, you guys have done a great job offering up some challenges for the audience to solve and insight into how these technologies are being used and really changing the game. Thank you so much.